0: Greetings to all 12 tribes scattered abroad and blessings and Shabbat Shalom to you guys here. So I'm excited to get back. We had a couple of weeks of holiday and um, jumping back into it. But before we start the broadcast today, I just want to thank our donors, those of you online out there that support the ministry and here too. Without you, it has just been an impossibility. But we have overcome the impossibilities because of the support we get. And I want to thank you in all sincerity. Now, remember, subscribe to our channel. It does make a difference, especially today when there are so many channels that are going down. We ask that you would support this channel and your subscription and giving us a thumbs up or if you don't like the message, you can give us a thumbs down and open up the comments section. We've done that. So be nice to one another and put some edifying comments out there because it's nice for the community to have some dialogue. Lastly, remember, Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles is coming up on September 30th to October 9th so you can register by going to toratothetribes.com I think all of our RV spots may have been taken but we do still have tent sites with electric and cabins available but you can go to toratothetribes.com and connect with us there so today let's get into a teaching this is a topical teaching And I entitled it, Dead Sea Scrolls Discord. Now, how many of you, I think we can all say yes, have um, the Dead Sea Scrolls in your bookshelf at home? I know I certainly do. And there's nothing wrong with that. I've got many extra biblical works in my library at home. But the difference is, I do not form my doctrine From extra biblical works I love history but I do not form my doctrine from history where do we get our doctrine from one place only and that is the scriptures the Holy Bible what I want to address today is that I've been on holiday for two weeks and I do hope that I can respond to the letters I get And many of you have sent me letters, um, snail mail, and I appreciate that. But um, it's been difficult for me to respond to all of them just because of the amount that I do get. But one thing that I have found in common, the similitude, is that many people that have contacted me, especially over the past couple of weeks, I went to the P.O. box yesterday and start to open up these letters, is a despondency is a loss of heart. And I'm finding this common thread in the mail. And that's what I want to talk about today. Because I hate to see people get low spirited. I hate to see people struggling in areas that I once struggled in. And now if I have the answer because of my past trials, then I want to help quickly move you past the stoppages in your faith to get back and get inspired. Because I don't want people, if I can prevent one person from spending the times in the desert that I did and having to go through the thorns and the thickets for the length of time that I did and I put my family through, then it's all worth it. So it's been the common testimony of many of you that you've lost heart and that you've become low-spirited. Low-spirited as you've leafed through all of these pages of various extra-biblical works, one of them being the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I hate to see it when people then start to become distrustful and they start to become gloom-ridden. So, you may remember... I hope you remember, we just recently finished teaching on the book of Habakkuk. You remember that? It was just a very short topical series on the book of Habakkuk. But as I was finishing the book of Habakkuk, and now coming back after this refreshing holiday, I'm like, this is the time to really move into conviction of creed. I want us to be convicted on our creed through the scriptures, not to be discouraged by all of the extra biblical works out there. And to do that, I'm gonna get to the root and show you a cunning deception today. A Trojan horse, if you will, that's worked itself into the community of faith and it's arisen out of wannabe scholars of the Qumran texts using the Dead Sea Scrolls as a Trojan horse to come into the faith. But before I do that I'm going to sit down and tell you a story. Now I do not, as you can see, I do not have a yarmulke on. I do not have a little Jewish yarmulke. But there was a day when I had a little black doily on the back of my head yes many many or a keeper a yarmulke or a keeper a little Jewish doily with long fringes on and I was sitting in a coffee shop I'm gonna tie this all into the teaching but you know I've been on holiday so I kind of still in that holiday mood so I'm gonna tell you a story so I was sitting in this coffee shop when I was at the height Height of my messianic zeal, with my little black doily, my car on, and of course my long seat seat that I could trip over. And this gentleman came up to me in this coffee shop and started to engage in me with me about his life. And he was most probably in his forties at the time. I was most probably in my thirties, late thirties. And we started to have a conversation and he started to ask me about my faith and of course the zealous guy that I am I what a great opening I started to share my faith with him and he started to tell me about his loss of faith his lack of faith and the trials and tribulations and the hurts and the wounds that had happened in his life when him and his brother were teenage boys, his father left his mother, took the boys and moved to Jerusalem, where he got Jerusalem syndrome. Does anybody know what Jerusalem syndrome is? Jerusalem syndrome is a common syndrome where you get all enamored by the magnificence of the Holy Land that you believe that you are a biblical figure. Well this man, this boy's father, believed that he was one of the two witnesses about in the book of Revelation. And this is what these two young teenage boys witnessed with their father. That he was going around Jerusalem and he truly believed that he was one of the two witnesses. And for a young teenage boy to visually see this happening he lost his faith in his father but he also lost his faith in the Heavenly Father and he here now 20 or 30 years later was convinced that Yahushua was not the Messiah He was convinced that Paul was a heretic. In fact, he was not just a heretic, but he was the spouter of lies that is spoken about in these extra biblical texts. And that him and Marcion, this heretic of the second century, had gone forth with the message and that what we were believing was a fallacy. And he invited me to come round to his house because he needed to share some sacred texts to me from the Dead Sea Scrolls well I went home and I prayed about it I was it was it was very very intense conversation I'm relating to you here now many many years later and I was so convicted and convinced by the Holy Spirit that I had a mission that in spite of the trepidation, I was somewhat a little apprehensive that I needed to go round and I needed to deliver a message. And I recently delivered that message here at Shavuot, you know, a modern version, because this was many years ago, over a decade ago, that I needed to share truth or trinity with him. I needed to share the truth of who Yahushua was regardless of what he was going to try and share me with me, which was to lead me astray, I knew, right? So I went round his house, and he opened up the Dead Sea Scrolls. He had a book, and started to show me many of these sacred texts. And in the midst of it, I started opening up the Bible and sharing with him the magnificence of Yahushua, The magnificence of my faith journey, the power of the Holy Scripture, and the anointing of the Apostle Paul and his writings that have been misunderstood, confused, taken out of context by the modern church, and not to just cast him out, but maybe we should understand him in the full Melchizedek context of what the Scripture teaches. And I knew that I had to show him the magnificence of Yahusha. My message was not received. My message was not received. He was so entrenched in the Dead Sea Scrolls, so entrenched that Paul was the spouter of lies and that the New Testament couldn't be trusted, that he had lost his faith. Initially, he had lost his faith in his earthly father when his earthly father had got Jerusalem syndrome, and then that caused him to lose his faith in the heavenly father. And it was just a decimation of faith that I knew that I had to go and speak the truth into his life no matter what tribulation or trial I may endure. And I was, went, I should say, with trepidation because I didn't know what I was walking into. Now, it's a bit of a long story, but I'm finishing up. What I didn't disclose to you, this was here in Salem, Oregon, is that he had a job in Portland, Oregon on which he would commute on the freeway daily from Salem to Portland, from Portland to Salem. I shared this message with him a week later after he rejected the message, which I knew by deep conviction that I had to share. He had a massive brain aneurysm while he was driving back from Portland and died. This greatly impacted my life. It greatly impacted my reading of extra-biblical texts. It greatly impacted my understanding of the pressing pressing time and conviction of when the Holy Spirit tells us to go forth and act that we have a calling to do it. And it greatly impressed on me the seriousness of how our actions, our decisions outside of the Bible can shipwreck our faith. I have the Dead Sea Scrolls, the very book that he used signed by him, as I was leaving the house, he gave it to me. I still have that with his name in it in my bookshelf. He is now dead. That greatly impacted me. So here I am today, and I've told you this story. So when I have read the Dead Sea Scrolls, and I come back from holiday and I receive countless snail mail letters it takes me back to this this man and I now have that same conviction that I had to go to his apartment that same conviction that I have to share with you today because there are people there are put me on the main camera There are people, many of you, out there that are vexed by these extra-biblical writings. And there is nothing wrong with reading the Dead Sea Scrolls. There's nothing wrong with reading Jubilees, Enoch, and these vast, vast books. But if it detracts from your time in the Scripture, your time pressing in, and you start to form your creed, your doctrine, and you begin to journey into that realm, then I have a warning for you today. And it's a warning and an admonition based upon a life experience. And it comes from the right place of conviction and creed. And before I start, this is one of those times where I say I'm sorry I was wrong I have made a lot of mistakes and I have made mistakes in my teaching in bringing forth ideas and speculation from the Dead Sea Scrolls in the past I've done hundreds of teachings over many many years and I've made mistakes and I ask you out there and here in all humbleness to forgive me I'm sorry I'm going to address some of those things today but when I am convicted and I see a sheep and sheep being led to the slaughter and I've experienced that where there was a s- true conviction to tell the truth of Yahusha's majesty that then was rejected and then the man died within a week I believe that Yahuwah is very serious about His word and the opportunity that all of us will hear truth in our life and either reject it and receive it or receive it and I have been that instrument to speak forth truth many many times as I'm sure you all have and I have seen some crazy things from death to rotting out legs I have seen it all and I'm sure I will see many more majestic things in my life but I live a life of faith in my younger and more immature years I too got caught up in the messianic movement in my younger and more immature years, I got caught up in the messianic movement and speculation from reading the Dead Sea Scrolls. Speculation and theory from reading Jubilees. Speculation and theory when reading the book of Enoch. Fanned by the flames of the synagogue of Satan sex in Florida of which I was a part of. And I didn't realize it was the synagogue of Satan. I thought it was a messianic movement. But now I understand. So I've grown, we've grown. But if I can save one person from having to go through the thorns and the thickets that I went through, then it will be worth it. So today I want to expose some stuff about the Dead Sea Scrolls, about the Essenes. I want to expose Robert Eisenman, yes I named a name, where most get their erroneous information from like I once did. Now Robert Eisenman is the leading Dead Sea Scrolls researcher and scholar. He's a great writer But this man is an expert in researching the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yet, he has concluded that Paul is the spouter of lies, that most of the New Testament is untrustworthy, that James the Just is actually the teacher of righteousness, and that Paul was kinsman of Costa Burras who actually then conspired with Marcion. And if that is the conclusion of a leading researcher and scholar of the Dead Sea Scrolls, what hope is there for you and I? I tell you what hope there is, the same hope as that man that I met in his apartment over a decade ago that rejected Yahusha and drew the very same conclusions and lost his faith and then died. So it is important. It is so dreadfully important. So I'm sorry for the mistakes that I've made. I truly am. I own them. And when the Father deals with me, as he always does, I'm ready to fess up. I'm ready to own it. It's far easier to just stand in front of people and say, I made a mistake. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Please forgive me. I don't understand why that is so hard for people to do. i tell you why it's hard for people to do. Because they're journeying along with us. But they didn't enter onto the pathway the way that we did. Because what does Yahusha say? Enter through the narrow gate. But the trouble is, there are those that jumped over the wall. And we see them on the path with us, and we think, well, we're all on the same journey together. But when we get to the end, our master will say, you didn't enter in through the narrow gate. Oh, I know, I know, but you know, that was uh, all the way back. I didn't want to go all the way back and confess my sin. I could just jump over the fence. You're nothing but thieves and robber barons. Those are the ones that find it so hard to say, forgive me, I'm sorry, I've made mistakes. The truth is, the Essenes are a Gnostic, Illuminati sect of Masons. That's the bloody truth. Eisenman has embraced the synagogue of Satan groups and the sects down in Florida. And they end up making a bastardized mess of the Zedek teaching by hybridizing it with the Qumran Dead Sea Scrolls, and the Qumran sects. It is a bastardized mess of the Malki Zedek, and it is wicked as hell, and I'm going to expose it for what it is because my hope is that some of you will wake up and come back to the Scriptures and to Yahushua, who sits at the right hand of the Father. We cannot spend enough time in the Holy Writ of Scripture. We just cannot. Eisenman's heresy, the Florida synagogue of Satan sects that then fan the flames by embracing them, this is deeply entrenched within the messianic movement, making disciples of destruction and disciples after themselves. Now, before I go any further, Let me be clear in making a distinction between using texts for historical research versus establishing faith and doctrine. Very big difference, very big distinction. You see, I've read many, many texts. As you know, I love history. I know you love history. But the thing is, we have to make that distinction. I've read the texts. That I'm about to discuss and even postulated in the past of which I'm now confessing to you all that John the Immerser and even maybe Yahusha himself that they departed from Qumran and from the Qumran community. But in doing so I have not established a doctrine or made any impacts on faith by postulating such things didn't change anybody's life. It didn't make your faith stronger. It didn't make you a better person, a better husband, a better wife, a better child, a better disciple of Yahushua. And here's where the similitude stops. You see, I've discovered that the Qumran sect secreted away the Habakkuk commentary. The Habakkuk Commentary. The book of Habakkuk with a verse-by-verse misinterpretation of two chapters of the prophecy. It is an abysmal misinterpretation. In fact, there is so much nonsense out there right now that Saul, that Paul the Apostle, is the plague of death prophesied in Habakkuk 2. This is what Eisenman and these Dead Sea Scroll wannabe scholars are postulating. That's what it leads to when you end up in a man's apartment with his faith, faith decimated. That's where it leads to. And I know many of you out there, you're tinkering around on the edges. It's super fun. It's not fun where it will lead. Get back in the Word. Get back in the faith. Be impacted by the Holy Spirit. And please, please hear what I'm saying today. Because to think that Paul is the plague of death prophesied in Habakkuk 2 is Insane to me, but I know where they're getting it from. Why do they think that? Because according to that line of thought, Paul is the one who gathers all the Gentiles unto himself. Well, isn't that what the church teaches? Right? When we were all back in the church, Paul's the one that gathered all the Gentiles unto himself. That we now don't have to keep the law that the Sabbath's done away with, that the dietary requirements are done away with. Now that the Gentiles are gathered to himself, we've got Christmas and Easter and Halloween. Insanity. And this is where they jump off of that and then go even further missing the narrow road that leads to life that Paul, the apostle, got struck down on the road to Damascus, had an enlightening vision from Yahushua, and then got the full understanding and comprehension of Yehusha as the Malchizedek high priest who sits at the right hand of the Father, and that the book of the covenant was delivered, inaugurated by his crucifixion, and that there is now a distinction between the book of the law, Galatians 3, 10 which you cursed if you still follow and he is the most magnificent scholar if we could understand his writings but Peter warned us that people that are unstable and unlearned they will twist his scriptures and wrestle it to their own destruction either lawlessness in the church or this dead sea scrolls heresy but there's a better way To understand him in his full, full majesty. Because Paul is not the plague of death prophesied in Habakkuk chapter 2. Paul did not gather the Gentiles unto himself. A misinterpretation based upon an abysmal misinterpretation. I'm not sure which interpretation is more abysmal. So there's no better time than today to address this mounting deception which cunningly erodes away at the faith of believers and is used as a platform, as a Trojan horse assault against the authority of the Bible. That's what it is. It's a Trojan horse assault against the authority of the Bible. 1 John 2.19, it is written, They went out from us. But they were not of us. You see, we thought they were of us because we were on the same path together. But I entered through the narrow gate. That I am sure of. Are you sure of that? But many have hopped over the wall and come in through another way. They are nothing but thieves and scoundrel mongers that will not make it into the kingdom of heaven. Though they appear to be on the journey with us, they are of a different conviction and a different creed altogether. So therefore, they can espouse lies like Paul is the spouter of lies. But if they had come through the gate that leads to life, they would be convicted by the Holy Spirit that, nay, that cannot be so. Where is the conviction? And you wonder why. And you go, well, how could these braggarts do such a thing? Well, of course, they're not of you. They're not of the way that which we came. They came in another way. It just appears that we're on the same journey together. Ah, this is what I'm learning. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. You see, I'm talking about using historical documents to form doctrine and not distinguish between citing historical texts for reference, but rather leaping headlong into destruction by using them to form doctrine to assist the unsuspecting, the unsuspecting believer into a swift decline of doubtful disputations. Because that's what the Dead Sea Scrolls are. Just a massive document of doubtful disputations. That's what many of these extra-biblical books are. Doubtful disputations, which is why they didn't make it into the Bible that we have today. And I know many people just want to throw the baby out with the bathwater when it comes to the church. But guess what? Some of those salvific, salvation creedal formulas that we have, were put in place by genuine born-again men and women who entered through the narrow gate centuries, centuries ago to keep us safe and on the right path. So it's so easy when you're in the messianic movement just to hate on the church, to cast it all off, when in reality, these men and women died at the stake. They were slaughtered for their faith. And here we are, all these years later, looking back. No, we must move forward with progressive revelation, but we not, must not just count the whole of the history of the faith since the first century as nothing because those creedal salvific formulas are there for a very Very important purpose. So today I'll address the Dead Sea Scrolls and how Yahushua the disciples and the apostles in the end were at total variance to this semi-paganized monistic sect that lived down at Qumran. The apostles, the disciples, John the Baptist, Yahushua himself, they were at, hear me, total variance with this sect of Qumran. At total variance with this sect. John departed from their midst. So did Yahushua, I believe. But why did they depart? Why did they because like the Galatians, they down in Qumran, they may have ran well in the beginning, but they who hindered them from obeying the truth. Galatians 5, 7. Why did they reject the way, the truth and the life, Yehusha himself? Because that sect down in Qumran, they did not lord Yahushua as Messiah. They were looking for another In place of Messiah that's called an anti-messiah they may have started out well but later they took no heed to the writings of John when John said in 2nd John chapter 1 verse 8 to watch yourselves so that you may not lose what you have worked for but may win a full reward they threw away what the writer of Hebrews says in chapter 10, verse 35. They threw away their messianic confidence which would have had its great reward in Yahushua. Don't ever throw away that messianic confidence that gives you your great reward in Yehusha. So let's be really clear here. The movement living at Qumran ended up as a messianic sectarian movement within Judaism. That's how they ended up. They didn't finish well. They ended up as a messianic sectarian movement within Judaism, a Gnostic, apocalyptic sect, completely, I don't know how, but completely unaffected by Yahushua's messianic ascension and glorification it was unaffected them why would we want to follow the doctrines and dogma of a sect where Yahushua's resurrection and glorification didn't affect them and we're gonna feed we're gonna get our creedal formulas and speculate about the future from a sect where Yahusha's ascension didn't affect them, made no difference in their lives. Shouldn't that cause us to take pause and ponder? They ended up looking for a Messiah figure. The one they were looking for wasn't Yahusha, but an in-place Messiah, what the New Testament calls anti-Messiah. Why follow their writings to form doctrine when it's not the least, and this is what I love, there's not the least proof, there's not the least proof that the apostate sect that lived at Qumran that possessed these texts was even accurate, listen to me, in copying the Old Testament. There is no proof That this apostate sect that lived in Qumran was even accurate in its copying of the Tanakh. Proof. There's a whole bunch of speculation, but there is no proof that they were accurate in their copying of the Tanakh. There's a lot of speculative theory, but I don't want to live with speculative theory. In fact, many of their scrolls contain fables interwoven with the text of the Old Testament. The scribes, the Pharisees, never permitted this. They never permitted the interweaving of fables within holy writ, and neither should we and neither should we. The scribes never permitted this to happen to the official and authoritative Hebrew text never but down in Qumran they made habit of it. Yahushua did he recognize the scribes? Sure he did. Did he recognize and acknowledge the Pharisees? Sure he did. Did he recognize and acknowledge the Sadducees? Sure he did. Did he even mention the Qumran sect? Did he even acknowledge them? Did he even recognize them? Do you even see them recognized in the New Testament anywhere? Anywhere? No. Why? Because they were a semi-paganized cult that had tampered with the text. So what people like Eisenman and the Synagogue of Satan sect in Florida are spinning you today is a controversy of doubtful disputations. That's what it is. Not once, not once in the New Testament is this small, heretical, apocalyptic, Qumran sect even mentioned. Yet we've got people that say they're believers spending the majority of their time floating this speculative theory and i'm like but they're not even in the bible oh well wow, look at this but they're not even in the bible that's just theory That's speculation oh no we'll check the hebrew out and then they try to just over complicate it and uh, with their massive knowledge of songs, numbers, and Hebrew. and It's smoke and mirrors. Because when you've had those face-to-face conversations with people that have denied their faith based upon speculative theory, it does change your life. And that's why I want you to be warned and admonished today so when they come talking to you that you will remember this conversation and guard your family with your lives. Guard your family with your lives, your friends with your lives, and keep them in the word in prayer and directed at the master who sits at the right hand, the one that they didn't even accept. His ascension and glorification made no impact into their community. No impact. Why did Yahusha? And the writers of the New Testament speak about the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, the Zealots. But we don't hear of the Qumran sect once. Ask yourself, why is the book of Acts totally silent about this sect? Why? Why didn't Yahusha recognize its authority? These are questions that I... Uh, these are questions that I place to you today, and I'll tell you why. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 is why. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men will creep in, and they'll have a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such you must, you simply must, turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive, silly women, laden down with sins, led away with diverse lusts, ever learning, or oh, you'll ever be learning. Let me tell you, you'll ever be learning, because as soon as you've read that, they'll have another book for you to read, and another book to read. And it'll be first, Enoch, second, Enoch, third, Enoch, fourth, Enoch, which or Enoch or any of them, Enoch. We don't even know if they're really Enoch. You can't pin them down on anything. You'll be ever learning and you will what? Never be able to come to the knowledge of Yahushua in his magnificence of glorification because they don't point there. Because they never did acknowledge that. Because it didn't affect their lives. They didn't finish well. Just like Saul, they didn't finish well ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, just as those magicians, because it's magic, it's magic, Johns and Jambres withstood Moshe, so do these also resist the truth. Why? Because there's a common theme. These are men of corrupt minds. They're reprobate. You know what that means? Do you know what that means? What that means your heart your word and the truth and conviction of the Holy Spirit into somebody's life and you can look at them in the eyes and you can pray for them and it goes unheeded and that was the last clarion call that they got to hear before they are ushered off into destruction that's what that means reprobate concerning the faith so maybe you think I'm being melodramatic but to me and to the life that I've lived and to the things that I've witnessed my faith is ever growing ever stronger ever increasing and sometimes when I take a little bit of time off with my family I go on holiday And everything quietens down I start to look back I start to ponder and I start to think of the impacts that I've had on people's lives and the impact that people have had on my life and I have a calling to share that if it means that one sheep will return back to the fold But they shall proceed no further, those that won't listen. For their folly shall be manifest unto all men, as also was theirs. Why form doctrine and faith from writings of an apostate sect that did not accept Yahushua as Messiah? There is no reason to. Doctrines and teachings based upon speculation. Speculation like that that the sect there which buried these scrolls constituted the followers of John the Baptist. And I made that speculation back in my messianic days because I was also affected by Eisenman and by those writings. And I'm thankful that I was able to come back to my first love to be able to share this message today. Because I've been on the precipice and been able to come back speculation but proof of such ideas i never had proof of such ideas they do not have speculations to pedal calendars to pedal and people are more interested in human speculation than when they are exiting the faith they're more interested in human speculation as they are exiting the faith that's the reality of it, because they didn't come in through the same gate. Why listen to men who labor to undermine the authority of the inspired word? Where does it stop? Do you and I believe in the authority of Scripture alone, or do we not? Well, I do. Do you doubt the power of Yahuwah to preserve his written word? No. I have total trust in Yahuwah over all these centuries that he's able to preserve his word. I truly am. Yes, I understand the King James with the text, but not so much that it doesn't make the plain sense knowable to us. When I got saved, I was reading the NIV and the BLT, the bacon, lettuce, and tomato version, okay? And the, the only one that doesn't make sense is the message, all right? That's totally like... I read like two pages of that and I'm like what is this? This doesn't even match up to the authority of the NIV. I think anybody can see that the message needs to be burnt at the stake. But you know, apart from the message, you know, and ever the Jehovah witnesses are using, you know, we know we can torch that. And we can torch them, but you know, apart from that, I think we're pretty okay with the King Jimmy the new American standard and a strong concordance, right? So again, Yahweh has the power to preserve his written word. And I refuse, I absolutely refuse to be drawn into the whirlpool of intellectual speculations of where I once was about the Bible, about Holy Scripture, because Holy Scripture is what it should always be about, not speculations. It should be about fact. The inspired and revealed word of the living Elohim is where we're to form our doctrine. And yes, I enjoy history. I enjoy reading. I love to. But I'm going to form my doctrine from the word, which is why I love the Melchizedek message. The Book of the Covenant is a biblical term, The book of the law is a biblical term. You can find it in your pages and you can map it and you can track it. And that is what is powerful. Instead of like this guy in his apartment and these Qumran sex specialists peddling new light. It ain't new. Well, I got this new light I'm peddling. New light on the Bible through extra-biblical and historical documents that are not inspired Scripture. It's a matter, listen, it's a matter of fact. This will upset some of you out there. It's a matter of fact. The Dead Sea Scrolls is not vital, not vital To the understanding of your faith in Messiah Yahusha. I know. The Dead Sea Scrolls does not shed a brilliant new light on the faith once delivered to the saints, as this was a sectarian group divorced from our faith, divorced from our faith's followers, and divorced from our faith's foundational bedrock, the glorification of Yahusha, sitting at the right hand of the Father. Now, the double standards and the hypocrisy of those that espouse the Dead Sea Scrolls is absolutely unmatched. Absolutely unmatched. They'll form doctrine and faith from the writings, on the calendar, on the priesthood, and then conveniently neglect the manual of discipline, a code which governed the life of the Qumran sect, a code that these individuals are very much in need of in their life. They need the manual of discipline. They are a raggle-taggle bunch of gypsies. But they need the code of manual of discipline, but they won't go for that. They'll espouse all this extra biblical stuff, and they're undisciplined in every manner, picking and choosing every wind of doctrine that's convenient, while skipping over the parts that are not, like the manual of discipline. 2 um, Peter chapter 2, verse 1 comes to mind. There shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Messiah that bought them and bringing upon themselves swift, yes, swift destruction. You see, the Qumran sect didn't even preserve the manuscripts with that much care. This is what they don't tell you. The copies of the Hebrew Old Testament which they actually possessed like the Isaiah scroll, the Isaiah scroll is a great example, are full of minor spelling changes and misplaced words. Changes that represent what? The careless pen of the scribe. I think Jeremiah warned us about that, didn't he? Yes, there are so many misplaced words and minor spelling changes, it shows you the false pen of the scribe, these unofficial scribes who copied on leather. They copied on leather. The copy of Isaiah that we have in our Bibles is far more grammatically accurate than the goat's herd unofficial copy of Isaiah made over two thousand years ago by this apostate sect that's the truth okay I'd much rather read what I've got in here for accuracy and if you even want better accuracy then go to your Septuagint. what have you got there we love that I just bought that for my son the net Bible we love the net Bible it's a great great Bible the net Bible not that I'm in Bibles but anyway again This is the very same sect that penned the war of the sons of light with the sons of darkness, which contains uninspired Jewish apocalyptic fables. Again, another scripture comes to mind. Titus 1.14, giving heed to Jewish fables. You mean the Dead Sea Scrolls? Yeah, not giving heed to Jewish fables. The Dead Sea Scrolls and commandments of men. Oh, you mean the Dead Sea Scrolls? Turn you away from Yahusha. Oh, you mean the Dead Sea Scrolls? Um, Titus 1:14. Yeah, it's pretty. You've had those one-on-one life experiences, and then the person rejects the message of Yahusha and is swiftly cast off to outer darkness. Yeah, it's impacted my life. And yeah, when I come home from holiday and I find a bunch of snail mail about all of this stuff, it makes me want to do a topical teaching like today. So bear with me. This does come from a right place, and I'm being a little bit facetious as we go along because sometimes it just is just bewilders me of how we can get so easily sidetracked in these days. But We've got to stay focused on the one that bought us. What happens when those that promote such texts go so far as to insert these spurious textual readings of this heretical Qumran sect into the inspired word that we have today? It adds confusion. And when I read these letters, I'm like, these people are confused. They have now doubts. They're now entering into disbelief. I've been here before. I've got to share this. This is really important. Ephesians 4, verse 4. Children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine today by the slight hand of men. By the slight hand of men. And it's cunning craftiness. It's cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. They've bastardized the Malkitzedic message. Co-opt it with the Qumran text. It's a cluster bomb of false doctrine. And people are confused. And they're writing to me, and praise Yah, I hope I can give some clarification textual study based upon speculation into an intellectual vacuum will bring you a mind bomb of confusion it's devoid of any real evidence and it is not what we're to take heed of as believers leave that to the unbelievers, let them do all that stuff leave it to the unbelievers they can spend their time researching all of that but believers time is short The Bible is white fire and black fire, and it is the power of the living Yahweh. It's alive. It changes lives. Dead Sea Scrolls is not inspired. It's not alive. These extra biblical books, they are not filled of the living life of the Holy Spirit. But if you've never experienced the Holy Spirit, you won't know the difference because you didn't enter in through the narrow gate. You hopped over the wall, and you think it's all great. It doesn't come from the same place. If Robert Eisenman, a leading researcher in the Dead Sea Scrolls, is spouting lies like Paul of the New Testament is the spouter of lies mentioned in the Dead Sea Scrolls, what hope is there for you and me? And at the same time, he's saying things like Paul is the very same Paul who Josephus calls Saul, whose kinsman is Costobarus. Now, Costobarus, he disappears, apparently, after being interrogated by Nero. Then he reappears on the scene in cahoots with Marcion, and they edit the whole New Testament into this lawless doctrine. That's what they're spinning. Paul is the Saul who's kinsman to Costabarus, who's the very same Costabarus who then disappears after being interrogated by Nero. This is, this is where it leads to. But you've got to be thousands of pages down the wormhole before you get to that, where Eisenman is leading you all. The premise being presented there is this unsuspecting pilgrim doesn't realize but the premise being presented there is the Pauline canon is really a 2nd century creation and based upon Saul whose kinsman is Costabarus as later reworked by Marcion oh really oh oh yes come hither let me show you more delicacies come hither and we will ponder on thousands of pages of spurious text together. Oh, really? Oh, my pride has just tickled fancy. (laughs) That's where it comes from. Pride leads to destruction. And many will follow after that, right? I know I'm ad-libbing a little bit, but... It's a warhead on the forehead. I like it, yes. But it does actually even get worse. Can you imagine? Yes. And James the just, according to these noodle baits, is the Messiah-like figure, the teacher of righteousness. Yeah, James the just is the Messiah-like figure. The teacher of righteousness. Then you can see what kind of slippery slope lays ahead for you and I. The slope that Eisenman has led many, many a synagogue of Satan's sect in Florida down. And they had run headlong after this speculative theory and speculative teachers and don't even have anywhere near Eisenman's experience. What hope is for you then? All this speculation, of course, requires you to what? Ignore some very important Bible facts. Let's look at some Bible facts. First of these is that we know a lot about Paul, don't we? In the Bible, these Dead Sea Scrolls assume that Peter, who wrote 2 Peter 3:15 and 16 is extremely confused. Because Peter tells us about his good chum Paul, doesn't he? He tells us what? That Paul is the one that wrote these letters to the assemblies in the first century. And Peter calls these letters Scripture. How about that? Scripture. Our beloved brother Paul. Also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard, hard to be understood, which they that are unstable and unlearned rest, as they do the other scriptures and where scriptures and where does it lead to? It leads to their own destruction. You see, these Dead Sea Scrolls theories also assume that Luke is like what? A conniving, manipulative liar when he discusses the life of Paul. What an assumption. But that's what it leads to. You see, falling for these pseudo-intellectual speculative theories would require you and I to believe that Luke is making up the entire story of Paul, which I find really ludicrous, really ludicrous. What a proposal to make. That's an asinine proposal to make, given that we have quotes from Luke in the book of Acts in the late first century to prove otherwise. That's such a safer place to be, isn't it? And if this is the path of Robert Eisenman, what hope is there for you and I if we too decide to depart from the inspired scripture and go headlong into an intellectual vacuum of Dead Sea Scrolls speculative theory following others down Eisenman's slippery slope? It really is time to take pause and see where we're getting our daily manner from because we shouldn't be getting it from speculative theory Romans 16 17 it is written now I beseech you brethren mark them which cause division and mark them which cause offenses contrary to the doctrine of which you initially learned And you have to avoid them. It's the same old recipe that's been spun out over the centuries. Division mixed with offenses, all contrary to the doctrine we learn from the Holy Bible. We have to avoid such men, and I know that I certainly will. And I have great regrets. I have great regrets. But Yahuwah is good. And if this message touches one person and can bring them back into the fold, then all of my regrets will go away. And I know that Yahweh is faithful to do that because I confess my faults before men and Yahweh will restore me. There is no shame in confessing your faults before br- In fact, it says in the Bible, confess your sins to one another. It's a good thing. And as we now prepare to go to Sukkot, join us. Register, assemble, Torah to the because as we are gathering from the nations, know at the same time Yahweh is also separating one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats in matthew 25 verse 32 and you know what goats stink their doctrine stinks their misjudgment stinks but i'm so glad that i have heard of your faith in messiah Yahusha and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope that is laid up for you in heaven of this you have heard before in the word of truth it's all about the gospel of Malchizedek Colossians 1 5 and Shalom is where it's at and to have peace to remain vigilant and watchful in these last days because if that gentleman all those years ago Hadn't had lost his faith in his earthly father, he wouldn't have lost his faith in his heavenly father. And all that speculative theory in the Dead Sea Scrolls just cemented up his demise. And that is my fear. Speculative theory is not biblical reality. Be nice. Don't hammer me.
1: (laughs) Okay, first question. My question is, why do we call him the Passover lamb who atoned for our sins? Could it be that he was crucified on Yom Kippur as it is the Feast of Atonement?
0: that's kind of left field I thought we were talking about the Dead Sea Scrolls <laughs> atonement at one man. Yom Kippur never deliver what the Passover did you will never get to Yom Kippur unless you are first delivered out of Egypt that you then get Mickford and immersed baptized as you pass through the Red Sea then you then encounter the Ruach HaKodesh and the giving of the commandments and then that leads you into the full bounty but you will never ever reach Yom Kippur unless you reached the Passover Lamb so when Yahushua ascended into the heavens he put his blood on the Yom Kippur altar. thus Bridging between Passover and Yom Kippur. Yehusha was crucified at the Passover. And at the Passover, as he raised from the tomb, he said, Do not touch me, I have not yet ascended place my blood on the altar in the heavenlies to fulfill the atonement the atonement and then just as he then descended and glorified himself amongst the disciples he said you doubting disputer, stick your finger in my side why the difference because he had ascended placed his blood on the Yom Kippur altar therefore making the connection rod of atonement and now of course Thomas could put his finger in his side but that's nothing to do with my conviction, creed, and pouring my heart out today.
1: Okay, let's get back to that.
0: Yes, thank you.
1: Question Qumran sect wrote Dead Sea Scrolls?
0: That's a question. Oh, that's, that's a question. question mark. That is what is taught today that the Qumran, those in Qumran, they, they wrote and housed the Dead Sea Scrolls, but again, there is much speculative theory on that. And that's the problem. Very little fact. Interesting, though, Theodore Herzl, 1880, invention of the State of Israel coincided with the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls which is then massively propped up and propagated by the very one and the same Zionist synagogue of Satan. Hmm. Coincidence? I don't think so. Sorry. Question? Yes. What about the book of
1: Esther, its author? said to be missing from the Dead Sea Scrolls and the early writings of the Bible?
0: I think I wore a hat for that teaching. Purim. Exposed. Check it out on our YouTube channel. That will answer the book of Esther.
1: Another question comes in. What are the Dead
0: Sea Scrolls? What are the Dead Sea Scrolls? They are a collection of texts that were found down in Qumran at the midst, 19, I believe, 1947, believe so. Um, the goats heard copies, a collection of scrolls that were in clay jars that were unearthed and have been interpreted over the, the majority of the 20th century, but they really didn't come out until the mid to late 80s. And there's, there's a lot of speculative theory involved with them. And again, that is now why we're having people like Robert Iserman come forth with these great, big, grandeur theories that those that are exiting the faith, usually through the Messianic movement, are grabbing hold of and then bastardizing the Malchizedek message out of it, which is just a dreadful course of action.
1: This person asks, what about the 14 books that were taken out of the Bible?
0: Well again, you know, this is something that we've encountered over the years. Uh, um, That's why the Catholic canon differs, of course, than what we have today. Do I, have I read many of those books? First and second, Maccabees, Tobit, what not? Yes, but again, I read that as if it were history and I'm not going to form my doctrine from it. Some may disagree, but that's my conviction and creed.
1: Okay, can Matthew give his position on the Apocrypha and the 16:11?
0: Okay, so again, I think I just answered that. Okay. I read the Apocrypha and those by those um, books that were at one time included in the Calon Canon. I read them um, as history and to give me insight. I love, one of my favorite is the book of Jasher. It's a great accompaniment if you're reading the book of Genesis and Exodus. But I'm not going to form my doctrine out of the book of Jasher. But am I thoroughly going to enjoy it as I'm reading through Genesis, as I'm reading through Exodus? For sure and for certain. But this to me is maturity and strength in the foundation of the i came through the narrow gate but there's the problem those that haven't or lack the maturity or are trying to postulate theories and build a name for themselves what they're relying that people aren't going to have that grounding and that's where the deception comes in yes
1: okay next online question what's the best source in researching and validating what is taught today
0: the scriptures for sure and for certain and like I said you know read the book of Acts read the writings of the Apostle Paul look up the book of the Covenant the book of the law read the book of Hebrews read the book of Galatians we've got numerous archives of those books online on our YouTube channel that you can look into but that will be your best resource and then if you do read the Dead Sea Scrolls realize that it's not fact it's theory yes
1: okay why does the bible reference jubilees and enoch if they do not belong to the original scriptures
0: ah but that is an assumption does the bible reference jubilees and enoch or is it referencing another text that was in circulation in the first century that referenced those books you don't know it's speculative theory again so it's too quick to jump in and say bible is referencing jubilees and enoch maybe there were many many texts that were in circulation in the first century jewish apocalyptic texts that pulled from jubilees enoch and all of the apocrypha but that doesn't mean that that is actually what we're talking about again it's a huge jump The knee-jerk reaction is, oh, it's actually quoting from that. Well, maybe it's quoting another text that was quoting from that. Because that is another theory that's postulated. Theories, theories, theories. All unprovable. But there's so much that we can prove, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. And there's what they don't want you to do. Prove the Malkinetic message wrong. I just dare you. Everybody's tried, but the book of the law and the book of the covenant are not synonymous by any stretch of the imagination. Otherwise, Yahweh would have just told them one and the same.
1: Does Matthew think perhaps that John the Immerser was from Qumran?
0: I think I addressed that in the teaching. Historically, I have taught that. But today, put me on the main camera again, today I confessed and repented and asked you all to forgive me. Lots of questions. Next question.
1: this this online question says but don't you think that the dead sea scrolls were a catalyst in showing us we did need to look at the transgressions or translations i'm sorry of our bibles closer we need to look at the translations of our bibles rather closer in these
0: days i don't think the dead sea scroll showed us that whatsoever i totally would disagree with that strongly i was questioning my translation when i picked up the blooming message <laughs> i didn't need the dead sea scrolls to get me to question the translation i was tra- questioning the translation when they handed me the bacon lettuce and tomato version the blt the what is it the nlt yeah it was the nlt i switched the n for the b but it may as well be the blt so no it wasn't the dead sea scrolls didn't do that
1: right, i think we have some. people pin. were
0: questioning when Strong's came along with the numbering system. People were questioning when great programs are now available to us, like eSword and Blue Letter Bible, the touch of a button. That is what really aided us. But then this is just my opinion, yes.
1: I think we have some in-house questions. Yes,
0: oh, the zealot, the zealot. Thankfully, he's not from Qumran. But I believe he does live in a cave. Yes, yes, I do. (laughs) Um, In this age of supremacism, do you believe you have a right today with free speech to say what you want? And I have a follow-up question. Could you just say that louder? Do you believe in this accusation today of supremacism or white supremacism do you believe you have a right to say that in public say what in public uh, come out with an accusation like that towards other people do you believe you have that right yes I I believe that you have the right to free speech I mean that's a, a constitutional right here in America which I think is a fabulous thing of course because they knew what was happening yonder shore from where I came from right so do you believe you have the right to your own facts the right to my own facts I believe fact should be based upon evidence not theory so the Bible is evidence and we then have the fact of evidence that is a huge record of thousands of manuscripts which are within what ninety seven point you help me out on this point five I'm I'm shooting from the hip here. I mean, people are all like, oh, the Hebrew, the Hebrew, the Hebrew. I love the Hebrew. Great. But you do realize that we have over 5,000 Greek manuscripts that are within 97 or 98 point something percent accuracy within them all and that most of your problems in the translation can be cleared up in the Greek with the LXX and the New Testament that you barely even have to get into the Hebrew to clear up most of your translation problems. You can do it with Esau, Blue Letter Bible, and your Brenton Septuagint. It's pretty cool because the LXX is way more trustworthy than the King Jimmy Masoretic Text, which many people will have you, oh, let's get a Hebrew Torah scroll, which we just sold. And of course, all of your Hebrew Torah scrolls are a translation of the Masoretic text, which is way newer and has been monked with 134 times by the synagogue of Satan. I would much rather read the Brenton Septuagint than the Masoretic text any day. Psalm 110, case and point. So anyway, okay, so the question in-house was, what do I mean when I say synagogue of Satan? They, Revelation 2 and 3, they who say they are Jews and are not but do thus blaspheme. So the messianic movement has been infiltrated by a huge amount of people that say they're Jewish, but they're not. They're teachers, they're propagating a Levitical hierarchy, an ra- Aaronic hierarchy, a full adherence to Torah as interpreted by Judaism. Judaism is not a Torah-based religion. It is a Talmudic based religion so the synagogue of Satan is Talmudic Babylonian and it is not Torah based they call it Torah but Torah is not their primary source of doctrine their primary source is the rabbis and the Talmud the messianic movement is enamored by Judaism they are trying to outdo the Jews of Judaism who aren't Jews that are actually the Ashkenazi, which are the sons of Japheth. It's all a big sham and Zionism, Zionism, Zionism. I'm into biblical Zionism, not Theodore Herzl's form of synagogue of Zionism. So again, we've done many teachings on that. That was a loaded question, Donny setting me up for more trolling online. Don't troll us online. Put some neat comments down below. And again, subscribe to our channel and give us some thumbs up. And remember, the six of you that are out there, make sure you give us the thumbs down. We count on you each and every week. Why are you still watching? Shalom.